Hi everyone, welcome to Connect More. My name is Sarah Heisey Grabiel. I am a life coach, writer, and researcher, and the host of this podcast where we talk about connection, why we need it, why the systems we live under make it very hard for us to get it, and how to build it anyway because it's just that important. Particular focuses here are race, class, and gender, and how white supremacy, capitalism, and the patriarchy factor into our social lives, our family building, and our parenting. Stay tuned at the end for information on how to be in touch with me, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, I am so excited to talk to you today um, about a very kind of uh, niche topic, I guess you could say. I want to talk to you today about how a dentist appointment I went to recently really taught me something significant about the power of connection. Not something I typically say after going to the dentist. I hope it's something that you feel like is totally normal, but in my experience, This has not been my normal experience of the dentist, and I want to share it with you because I think it has much broader implications for just talking about connection and community building um, and just the building of relationships generally. So we're going to get into that in just one second. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a favor. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, if you are listening right now, I would love for you to leave me a review, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Just rate the podcast. That's super helpful. If you can give me five stars, I would so appreciate that. And then just if you have an extra moment, leave a review as well, encouraging others to listen. Um, That is what helps my podcast audience grow. So Thank you all for being here. Thank you for your support in um, getting this podcast to more people. Okay, I'm going to dive right in. So I went to the dentist a few weeks ago. I was already pretty annoyed by the time I walked in the door. And the reason is my appointment was initially scheduled not for um, the month of December, but for the month of October. And it turns out my dentist office had instituted this new system where they send you like a confirmation message uh, 24 hours or maybe 48 hours beforehand. And you have like 24 hours to respond with a C confirming your appointment. And if you don't, they just cancel your appointment without telling you. And so I received um, like a message after the fact uh, in October being like, uh, you need to reschedule your appointment for today. Sorry, we canceled because you didn't confirm. And I was like, are you serious? My teeth were already kind of in a what I felt like was a pretty dire state by that point. Um, and I was like, two more months. Oh my gosh. So I rescheduled for December. And in the weeks leading up to my December appointment, I was just noticing that my teeth were bleeding. Like every time I flossed, I was just, they felt like they were getting like red and puffy. Like I would wake up in the morning and they would be a little bit swollen. Um, I already have challenges with grinding my teeth. I have to wear like a little, um, what's it called? Like a, is it a mouth guard? Anyway, whatever you wear to prevent you from grinding your teeth. But I still grind my teeth, obviously, into the mouth guard itself. So um, it's still a challenge that I deal with. Um, And so, yeah, I was just like frustrated that I had to wait two extra months to get my teeth cleaned. And I was worried about my teeth as I walked into my appointment because um, 
just of the sense that my teeth are constantly messed up. They are like my greatest liability and just fear of what condition I would be told they were in. And I'm gonna actually give you a little bit of backstory here, um, just so you understand kind of like the stakes of the the emotions I was bringing into the office. Um, so like as a child, I had a ton of braces. I got them earlier than anyone else in my class. I had them for the longest. I still had them when everyone else had gotten them off. I also had this like wild device called the herps contraption or something, herps, herps device. I don't even remember. Um, it was so like weird of a device that everybody in my class, I remember, wanted to like touch these like iron bars inside my mouth that were meant to align my top jaw with my bottom jaw. When I sneeze, they would like come out of place and I'd have to like insert one rod back into the other one. It was very wild. And I think, I know that I had a huge overbite and there were just all these other issues, but I also think that like having such extensive dental work as a child kind of set me up for this pretty intense gum recession as a young adult. So when I was like 23, 24, I was getting my first, um, what's it called, like gum graft, getting, it was actually a, <laughs> a gum donated from someone else, um, like someone who had passed away. It was their gum. Anyway, this is kind of gross, but also thank you, anonymous donor, because I really needed that gum graft. Um, so that was put in when I was 23, 24, along my bottom, underneath my bottom front teeth. By the time I was 28, I was having a second gum graft. That one came from me, came from the roof of my mouth, um, and involved a good deal of kind of dental trauma because I could only afford to get it done at the University of Pennsylvania's, I was in Philly at the time, the University of Pennsylvania's um, dental school. And so what should have been like an hour and a half long surgery took five hours. It was excruciatingly painful. Anyway, um, also it turns out I was <laughs> pregnant at the point when I was getting that done. It was very early in my pregnancy. I didn't know yet. And so uh, there's probably more than one reason why I just felt like, you know, everything in my body was like falling apart at that particular moment in time. So all that to say, I've had kind of a lifetime of dental issues. Um, and I have been told again and again and again by dentist after dentist, you really need to start flossing, right? Um, with this assumption that I don't floss and I always respond, yeah, I've flossed twice a day since I was 18 years old. They kind of act like they don't believe that. Um, and then they're like, well, you must not be flossing the right way. And then they show me and I'm like, that is essentially how I floss. I mean, sometimes I'm in a rush, so I don't floss like that, but I do pretty much know the technique already. Um, and then I'm always just given kind of like these new things I should try. Try this, try that, try this, try that. And it always just feels like, um, you know, it's completely my fault. My uh, teeth are the way they are because I have like just horribly failed to take care of them year after year after year. It never really feels like anything that... Um, you know, it's kind of like I'm being told, this is all your fault, you need to change everything you're doing right now. But I've kind of just over the years come to feel I've tried everything, you know, and like, um, I'm still going to walk in in six months and my dentist is going to tell me to start flossing as if this is a revolutionary idea. So it makes me really dread going to the dentist and um, just kind of feel like I'm going to be shamed and, and talked down to when I'm there. And I'm aware as I'm telling this narrative that I'm using words like always and never. And I think those are words to challenge 
you know, when we hear ourselves saying them, because the truth is I've had, you know, some very good or decently good dental experiences. I've had tons of lovely hygienists, like, you know, this is not like a everybody who's always mistreated me always, but just kind of like the general experience has been one of um, feeling like I'm being told like your body is failing. It's probably your fault. You need to get it together. And then kind of, try, kind of trying to get it together, but knowing that ultimately the next time I'm going to be basically told the same thing. Um, so that's the backstory. I get into my appointment a couple weeks ago. I get this very sweet hygienist I'd never met before. And, you know, she says as she's getting everything ready, do you have any concerns about your teeth today? And so I said, you know, yeah, I'm very concerned. You know, they're bleeding. I'm two months late on a cleaning. I feel like they're falling apart. I feel like they're probably all going to fall out by the time I'm 40. And she's like, whoa. She like looks over at me like, okay, wait, let's talk about this. And she pulls a chair up. She's like, okay, tell me more. Um, So I kind of, you know, tell her like, I feel like I'm grinding my teeth a lot still. I don't know if the mouth guard is helping, but my teeth are swollen and puffy and bleeding and so she starts looking in my mouth. She says, you know, you definitely have some gum recession. Um, and then she asked me, does your mom have gum recession? And I said, yeah. She says, does your mom have a similar body type to yours? And I said, yeah, pretty similar. And she just looked at me and she said, petite girls have petite gums. You know, you got it honest. It's not your fault. You have petite gums. They recede easily. You have beautiful teeth. Um, you're not going to lose them at 40. And I was like, whoa. It was just the way she looked at me and said, this, your story makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense you're in the position you're in right now. Um, In fact, it's probably hereditary. This is probably something you were literally born with. This is definitely not something you have single-handedly caused through your decision-making. And the worst case scenario that you kind of jokingly spouted out about, you know, losing all your teeth at 40 That's not going to happen, which of course I know I'm not going to like have zero teeth in five years. Um, But still hearing her say it was really powerful. And I said, okay, wow, really? And she said, yeah, you're not going to lose your teeth. We do have some work to do, but you're not going to lose your teeth. We're going to help you. We're going to give you some tools. Okay. And I said, okay. And she went on to tell me like, honestly, things that are not that different from things I've heard before. So she said, I need to switch toothbrushes to a more gentle one. Um, I need one with a sensor that will vibrate when I'm pushing too hard because she thinks I'm brushing some teeth too hard and other teeth not enough. I need a floss with just a little more kind of slow intentionality. Um, And there are some things I can try in terms of grinding my teeth less. Um, I told her I've already been wanting to exercise more. I think it might help if I'm just a little more tired out. She said on that note, try to drink caffeine a little earlier in the day. Um, And I was like, okay, cool. And then she ultimately brought the dentist in who, you know, agreed with her on everything and they sent me off. And this is what's really interesting about this story to me is what I noticed in the days after that is I was actually doing everything she said that very night. In fact, I think by like 5 p.m. that day, I had ordered my new toothbrush. For some reason, Amazon overnighted it and it arrived like at 5 a.m. the next day. So I literally had like one more uh, teeth brushing session with my old brush and then I had my new brush. I immediately like took it out, figured out how to use it. Um, 
I noticed that I was running low on floss. I bought some the very next day. I now have floss like stockpiled, so I won't be out of it again. I had already been kind of trying to get back into exercising, but I did yoga like the very next morning, did some yoga that afternoon, went for a long walk. From that very first day, I made my coffee earlier. I tend to be like a 2 p.m. coffee drinker. I made my coffee at like 10 a.m. Um, and it's not that I wouldn't follow instructions from past appointments, but what I would typically do is I would do it with a little bit of a feeling of bitterness, like it's not like this is going to help anyway, but whatever, I'll do it, right? And then gradually over the course of the next six months, I would just like totally stop doing it. Um, often if they were recommending that I use a new type of device, I would take weeks to order it if I ordered it at all, okay? And... So I think the point I want to make with this is it takes a lot of effort and energy actually to change the way that we live. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to change our habits because our habits by their very nature are ingrained. They are things we do by default. They're things that we do without thinking about them. So in order to change them, we have to really think about them. And that takes a lot of energy um, out of our day to day. And even when things aren't our fault like the like teeth and the situation like the basic nature of my teeth is not my fault even when things aren't our fault we do have a degree of control over mitigating the outcomes right as best as we can but we are just so much better situated to actually try to mitigate those outcomes and try to break and change those habits when we are coming from a place of having like real genuine supportive relationships around that where people are affirming our humanity they're not judging us for being where we are right they're like it makes sense that this is your situation here are some tools that I think can help you and let's work on this together okay and the more that I thought about this the more it made me think about you know the coaching work that I've done and the goals I have for this podcast which are to help us be better and more effective at connecting across difference, right? Building relationships, making friendships, showing up for anti-racism in our lives and our kids' lives. And the reason that I was driven to do this in the first place was because I was watching so many, you know, mostly in the realm of anti-racism, white people around me really wanting and trying to do the correct quote-unquote anti-racist thing, trying to follow what all the books say about how to be the best anti-racist you can be, getting pretty bogged down in a lot of kind of contradicting advice, and above all just feeling like there were so many ways to mess up. All of those ways are very shameful, and when you do mess up, it's your fault and you've got to own it. Okay. And obviously, I think accountability is important. I don't disagree that when you mess up, you should own it. But what I wanted to do in starting my coaching business and in starting this podcast was to, to just offer a belief that I hold really strongly, which is that the stuck place that progressive white people can find themselves in makes sense. Okay. Because the system has not been set up to encourage us to be anti-racist. So if you are someone who is, you know, like wondering how am I supposed to lead a diverse life when everyone within a 10 mile radius of me is white, for example, that's by design. Like you are not some weirdo who mysteriously ended up living far away from people who are a different 
race than you. Every incentive in the book has been laid out to have you living exactly where you're living. And obviously, this is not directed to every white person living in a place with a lot of white people. You might live in the middle of nowhere and have only white people around you. That's kind of not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you've wound up like in a series of whatever, like suburban neighborhoods, right, where you're like not in mileage terms that far from people of other racial backgrounds, but it just so happens that everybody in your neighborhood is white. Well, that's because some developer, some city planner, some whoever wanted this to be a neighborhood that was catering to upper middle class white people specifically. Okay, so it makes sense that this is, you know, where your filters put you in terms of house seeking. And it doesn't mean, okay, cool, so this is not on me. So I'm just going to let myself off the hook and just like enjoy my house and not worry about having a diverse life. No, I think building diverse connections is incredibly important for all of us to do in some way or another. Um, But what I think it does mean is it's not your fault that like you're living a life that looks this way that a lot of other white people's lives look too. And so let's talk about what you do have within your control to take back some ownership over the story and make it a a better and, and more kind of diversely connected story for you and your family. Okay, and I'm using the diversity example here, but I could say the same thing for any of the other things I coach on friendships, relationships, community building. Um, If you're a 35 year old mom who feels like a failure for not having more friends, guess what? Nothing about our system is set up to facilitate you having a lot of friends as a mom in your 30s. It's objectively very difficult. It makes total sense you're finding this to be a challenge. Okay, as my dental hygienist would say, you got it honest, like you really did. All of us did. That's why I am making a podcast about connection, because if it was easy to do these things, we would all just be doing them, okay? I think from that compassionate place, that's where we can see what can we do about this, right? When we set the shame aside and just see where we can make some changes. So that's what I learned from my visit to the dentist. I learned how powerful connection and compassion are in making me feel heard, understood, affirmed and motivated to make lasting change. And that doesn't mean that there's never a place for tough love, of course. It doesn't mean there's not a place for some anger over, you know, the choices people make, right? Feeling kind of resentful that people do make the choice. Yeah, totally. That's all super normal. Um, But the coaching and the framework that I personally offer as a white diversity and connection coach are centered around compassion and connection for other people who are trying to make these changes, trying to form new habits, and who can really use a supportive base and a supportive network in order to make that happen. Okay. Um, If any of that resonated, if you are in the market for more connection in your life, I really encourage you to just check out my website. It's linked in the show notes. And there I lay out the types of coaching that I offer, um, as well as the workshops that I'm teaching this spring and some permanent workshops that I just have online that are all ways to connect to yourself and also connect with me and connect with other people. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Please feel free to send me any messages that this uh, episode made you think about in terms of maybe unexpected places that you have encountered connection or compassion, um, ways that you have figured out to unshame yourself, to to kind of move away from shame and into acceptance um, and, and self-compassion 
And yeah, just anything else that this leaves you thinking about, I would love to hear. All right, take good care of yourselves and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Connect More. If you'd like to see more of my work, please check me out on Instagram. The link is included in the show notes. I offer one-on-one life coaching and also I have a number of workshops and other opportunities coming up. And feel free to just reach out, send me a DM, introduce yourself. I'd love to talk to you. The artwork for this podcast was designed by me. The music for this podcast was produced by Rafik Davis of Philadelphia. Take care and talk to you soon.